0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode. We are so excited to be with you tonight. Hello, hello. Or today, or this morning, (laughs) wherever you are. Is it 5 o'clock
1: where you are? It's (laughs) 5 o'clock somewhere. (laughs) Little flashback. Yeah, that's what we got. All right. Hi, how are you? Oh,
0: my gosh. Alexandra, listen. As you are well aware, September is Suicide Prevention Month. Yes. As I just posted on social media, I feel like every month could be Suicide Prevention Month. Yes. Just in the spirit of saving lives. But for Suicide Prevention Month, we tend to organize some activities around education, especially in the school setting. And so I am a little tired only because I've spent a lot of time in the classroom teaching a suicide prevention program to some children, and they're
1: amazing. Wait a second. You're doing a suicide prevention training for children. Yes, it's my job. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing that you were in the classroom so much in September doing that.
0: I love being in the classroom. Not enough to be a classroom teacher. (laughs) But I love being in the classroom every so often to deliver some lessons on whatever, social-emotional things, mental health things, academic things, counseling things, whatever. But this month, it happens to be suicide prevention training, which, as you know, can be very trying because it's a very difficult topic. The kids are great. Behavior management, not an issue. We do an exit ticket at the end of every lesson and we're in total went to eight classrooms to deliver the lesson the lessons. <laughs> Dishes. Dishes. Just channelings <laughs> from Sean. Yes, I went to eight classrooms to deliver some lessons with my colleague and co-counselor. She's Awesome. And so it's been nice to be able to tag team on the work. But being in the classrooms is tiring, especially with this topic, because as I said, we do this exit ticket and ask the kids if they need to talk to someone as a follow up. To anything regarding suicide or depression, or for themselves or for other people, and so that's resulted in doing some suicide screeners. And again, in and of themselves, it's not it's not hard work. It's just emotionally trying. And what's interesting about that is the first teacher that we were with when we were in her classroom. She asked after I think day two. I think it was like the we had done one lesson already during the day. And we were going to be going back after lunch to do another lesson with a different class. And she asked, like, does this take an emotional toll on me? At first, I was like, no. And again, this is day two. And I was like, no, not really. Like, I don't feel like I have an emotional reaction. But I definitely notice that I have like a stress response. But I don't know it until like I'm already irritable. For example... Later that day, I was in class and my colleague was presenting her information and I checked my phone because i have been running the timer on my phone and I checked my phone and I had an email I needed to respond to and a text that i gotten about something. And I did not respond to the text in my head in a neutral way. Like when I finally got around to responding to the text, I was able to like be more diplomatic and and more neutral. But in my head, I had like an emotional, really negative response. And I was like, once I processed it, I was like, what in the Sam, how was that all about? Because it, did, it didn't have to be negative. I did some cognitive behavioral therapy on myself. What? It was just like, what are all the possibilities that could be? And what are all the different situations? And how would I want to be responded to if that was me in that situation?
1: Good for you. <laughs>
0: Thank you. And it took me a while to get there. And then I thought about what the teacher asked me earlier that day. And I was like, oh, yeah. this does impact me and I am tired and I am yeah I get a little grumpier the tolerance level for things shrinks a little bit and so
1: all in all that's just something to be mindful about it's interesting that you bring that up because I was one of the the business group that I'm part of there's a woman who just joined and her Dream was to buy this house like she basically manifested her dream house and part of her manifesting her dream house was that she wanted to make part of it into a retreat center Mm. to create a retreat are you ready for this for self-care for caregivers (laughs) awesome which is exactly what Anna is presenting on at one of her conferences and so I think for anyone to think that you can talk about anything that's more serious or has to do with I mean, I I tend to call it more holistic wellness, but yes, mental wellness. Like, that's part of what I consider to be holistic wellness. You can't talk about that and train people and guide people without it impacting you. And then it's just even more important. And I don't know, I don't even know you and I haven't really talked about what your conference presentation is going to be about, but I'm like, does anyone talk about like rituals for letting go of energy, boundaries, 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 saying no to opportunities, even though caregivers tend to be ones who say yes, but it's, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm grateful. I think that's awesome. Your colleague actually checked in with you. Cause I think that that shows that she cares and she's aware of the situation and not taking what you do for granted, but Yeah, especially if you're going to be talking about suicide to children, the fact that you have to talk about suicide to children alone should be enough to be like, yeah, no, I'm not going to be okay with this.
0: Yeah, and I think it was you, actually, Alexander, who said that you were having a conversation with someone about how in our days when we were growing up, when we were upset, we would run away. Like, we'd pack our bags and get ready to go. And nowadays, the the things that kids jump to is I want to die, mm-hmm. and then they attempt it. They play around with the ideas. And it's just, it's on a whole different level, which is what we are working through in the schools, tackling just as, you know, even school counselors. And my sole job isn't supposed to be supporting mental health, but it's become, especially more so since pandemic, like really heavy on the mental health supports and trying to refer kids out and get them the help that they need. But it's all, it's all very tricksy and all very good work. And interestingly enough, you know, that's a, (laughs) (laughs) you you know, that's a That I love to say. I think
1: when we make merch, we have to we have to put that on there. I think we need to make some T-shirts, and just it's just gonna say. Interestingly enough, okay. Total side note, and also I say don't get me wrong. A lot of the time, so we'll add we'll add that into our merch when we start that.
0: I was at a meeting after school one day this week, and a teacher was sitting next to me, and I had my computer up, and no joke, I have about forty tabs. Open, Always. or up at the top, and people are like, "Holy crap!" And yes, it looks messy, but it's mostly organized, and it's you know, I, I, what do I call it? Some organized chaos. That's how I call my desk too. It's like organized <laughs> chaos. It doesn't look pretty, but I know where everything is, and that's how my tabs are. And um, he was saying that I need to get a shirt that says, "I've got a tab for that."
1: Yes. That's hilarious.
0: Yes. So what I was going to say, interestingly enough, is that um, when I was on my way here on the radio, instead of doing the normal programming, there was this whole I'm listening thing dedicated to mental health and supporting mental health and interviewing mental health professionals. And Carson Daly was on there talking about his own mental health journey. And I was just really glad to hear or to see that that is going on. Um, I know it's right part of the month supporting mental health, um, doing some suicide prevention, but I was just glad to, to see and hear that people really are putting in effort to reduce and decrease stigma uh, just in talking about it. And so it was on during like commute time and evening time. And I just, I thought that was pretty awesome. That's just total side note.
1: Yeah, I heard that that was happening. And what's interesting, another one, interestingly enough, I did my first reel on Instagram. I had to have some people in their 20s explain to me what a reel was and how to do it. <laughs> um, and I talked about my perspective. on. I t- it was bold for me to use that as an opportunity. Because even when we do podcasts, y'all can't see my face. So it's not like I'm seeing a reaction to anything I'm saying. So anytime I write something, I'm like, I don't have to see the reaction. But I did a reel, and I put on there what I, where I think prevention needs to start. And I was like, it's all good and fine if you're going for the hope and help, but we need to start earlier. I tried to be really careful about how I worded it to say we need to start earlier, even before classrooms. Like, to me, even saying suicide in a classroom, I don't think that that's going to put the thought of suicide into kids' heads at all. 100% do not believe that, and I know that not to be true. What I do think, though, is the fact that we have to talk about suicide in classrooms is really difficult, and as I'm saying this, I realize we didn't like put a sensitivity alert on today's episode, so we'll have to add <laughs> that, but... I just think it needs to start with healthier coping skills for kids, and teaching them that it's okay to have emotions, and you're going like to not stigmatize negative emotions because they make us feel crummy, but they're not negative. They're survival emotions, is what they are, and there are ways that our body and mind are trying to protect us. So, it makes me sad. Like on the one hand, I think it's awesome that there's prevention going on in schools because I think it needs to start earlier. It also makes me sad that we even have to talk about the term suicide that young only because I wish we could do more about just teaching kids like feel the feels and you're going to be okay that was something actually my my own therapist worked on with me he was like it was in regards to me talking to buddy and he's like and take the next step of saying and you're going to be okay it might feel horrible your life may explode in front of you and trust yourself that you will be okay but I just I think that's awesome that you guys are doing curricula in the classroom
0: yeah, and maybe this is something to think about as we move forward because it's definitely a topic I'd love to delve into a little bit. And I know that's not the track we're on today, but it just it's um, really troublesome, and it worries me that this this is not just like a school issue. It's not just an adolescence issue or coping strategies or skills issue. This is like such a societal thing on a grand level. When we think about social media, when we think about the kind of video games our kids are playing, the kind of movies that they're watching. You had a student who at the age of five watched the new It. I have students who are playing first-person shooter games when they're eight, nine, ten years old, and their little brains can't even handle what is happening, And but they don't know that. And they have either parents that allow them to play them or don't even know the damage that is being done or the impact that it's having on their brains or just their person or their development. And so it's such a bigger issue than we even have time to talk about today. But it's all connected. And you're right. I don't love that I have to talk about suicide prevention. I'm glad that I do because I know the impact um, and I know how many children are struggling Um, with depression and not just sadness, but true depression. And the other day this kid was like, hey miss, can I talk to you out in the hallway as we were just getting started with the presentation. And then he just, I don't know, I have known this kid for like five minutes. He's been in school for six weeks maybe by now. And he's like, I don't really know the kid. And he's like, hey miss, I just wanted to let you know that last year I had an attempt. And he like went into some detail about what happened. And when I laugh about it now, it's more like nervous laughter and coping laughter as I do. It's not funny. Nothing about it is funny, but it's just it's outrageous that our kids are at this point. Whereas 30 years ago, that kid probably would have packed up his backpack and gone down the street to a friend's house. Totally.
1: I mean, I had a whole plan. Like my room from the time I was seven to the time I was 12 was connected. One of my windows went out over a covered porch and so I used to do it not only for fire safety, but I was like, okay, this is how I would jump out. Like, this is how I would run away out my window and jump down and, and go. And my best friend lived down the street. And so I was like, I'll go to her house. And when I had that discussion with someone who said that, I was like, Ooh, that one just, it just hits you square in the face. And especially having Buddy who's three years old, I'm like, what can I do now to help him So when he gets to a point that he's feeling feelings that feel so overwhelming and intense that he will trust himself that he can get through it.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a big deal. I think you're totally right. Um, Oftentimes we don't know that we're going to get through a situation. And there are some people who do that and do it well and are able to say a mantra like, this is just temporary. It's just dark for right now. I, I just need to sleep on this and then wake up in the morning and tomorrow's a new day or this feeling, this, this sadness or the struggle that I'm in doesn't have to last forever and there are a gajillion things that I can do and a gajillion people out there who can help me in different types of ways that can help me through this so you're not like pigeonholed into one type of treatment or help. But then I think there are a good chunk of people out there who don't know how to help themselves through that situation or don't know which coping skill would be the best or things are so dark and there's such in a hole of despair that that it's hard to think about those things in that moment so
1: so one of the things I I think that's interesting from what you're saying and I this kind of just dawned on me but it kind of ties into some of what we were planning we had, weren't really planning on all of this you guys but it it's good. This is information, and I think it's valuable for everyone. Is that we go and seek help when we're feeling the darkness. We go and seek help when we're feeling the crummy feelings. But then it's like, as soon as we feel better, it's like, oh, I'm good. I don't have to keep working at whatever was creating the feeling in the first place. And one of the things that I have really been working on in my own process is creating a tool in order to help people start doing the work that hopefully will help decrease the amount of times you get into that dark place. I think you just hit the nail on the head,
0: and it makes me think about like – I don't seek out a medical doctor unless I'm sick. I don't do the annual checkups. And as I'm getting older, I know that there are other exams and things that I need to do to make sure I don't have like, you know, really serious illnesses. I know that. But generally, in my 20s and 30s, and even early 40s, I would say like, it's not a common thing for me to seek out a doctor on a regular basis unless I'm sick. And I think that that is a mindset for some people even mentally, like I'm not going to go and seek out treatment unless there's a problem. I'm not going to do a proactive therapy thing just because it might be good because therapy is for someone who is sick. Yeah. Medical attention is for someone who is sick. And then think about it, people. Like, how many times have you guys out there, because I know I have, not this time with antibiotics, my round of antibiotics, but how many times have you gone to the doctor and gotten some antibiotics or whatever, and after a few days, you start feeling better and you're like... Oh, even though I have like a half a bottle of antibiotics, I'm not going to take them anymore because I feel okay, even though the doctors say finish out the round, right? Like sure. don't stop taking the meds. But you do because you're like, "Oh, I feel better, so I don't need the medicine anymore," even though you probably do.
1: Yeah. Well, and there I mean a lot of the the tools and modalities that can help in those times. I think that's what we we go to, "Oh, I'm feeling happy, I'm feeling joy," but we don't realize that there's still negative impacts from events we've had throughout our whole life that continue in a subconscious level to continue to loop in our brains. And it's it's not something that we're necessarily aware of, but there are modalities that can help clear that. So again, so it kind of helps that the frequency of those dark moments or feeling crummy, or I think they're great for also, like I said, building trust, like that's something that came... I've had a lot of aha moments in the last, pretty much in the last two to three weeks, like a huge up-level personally. And for me, an up-level is just getting to a higher level of understanding and clearing a lot of emotional space. And I've been using a lot of different tools myself to be able to do that, but I have been drawing on a lot of different, like reading a couple books. And one of the things, and with my therapist and, and listening to podcasts, that's usually what I do. And one of the things I realized is that we often look at life as a linear thing, right? And the way I talk about it is we get a box and we check the box off. Like we have a list in the boxes. This is what successful life is going to look like. And we get these messages from everybody, ancestors, our parents, society, our siblings, stakeholders. I call them stakeholders. That could be coaches, teachers, whomever. And we look at life like it's linear. So you do this, then you do this. And then you do this and you do this. And then life explodes in front of you. And you're like, wait a second, what happened? And instead of saying that something's wrong with the box we got handed or how we view life, we say something is wrong with us. And we internalize that something must be wrong with how we were created because life isn't falling into place the way we've been told it needs to. And my biggest aha in the last few days has been life is not linear and, and it's not this line So let me back up a little bit. After Sean passed, someone said grief is like an ocean and you're holding on to a surfboard and you're sometimes it's going to be super calm. Sometimes it's going to be a squall, but you just clutch on to that surfboard and you will get to the other side. And I think of life like that. Life isn't linear. Life is the ocean. (laughs) We are going to have squalls. We're going to have calm seas. We're going to have a riptide. We're going to have things that are completely unpredictable. The thing about predictability is it gives us a sense of safety and security. Um, And I won't go into all of it because I'll share with you guys where all of this is leading to for me personally. But one of the things about all of this is our predictability comes in ourselves that when we can truly trust ourselves and believe that we can handle any situation that comes our way so that if we have a dark moment, we can trust to get ourselves and access our tools, then that's our predictability. Life is going to be unpredictable, but trusting in ourselves is how we're going to be predictable. I say all of this just because I had this aha moment, but this has been like hours of really working on this. So what I've done is I have, um, so you guys know that I left the schools and I left um, working as an OT in schools and I'm working more privately in occupational therapy still, but I've taken time to be with Buddy more because I found that I really needed to have more time with him so that I wasn't cranky and grumpy mommy. And I have created a digital course that basically you can access online to walk people through a process to start working on peeling apart all the messages and projections and things that we get that cloud our ability to trust ourselves. Because it starts when we're kids. It starts when we're little. I'm super excited about this opportunity. So there's going to be information in the notes about this. um, Because when you guys hopefully are hearing this is when it will be launched. Um, So I'm really excited. But the idea is, that we all have things that happen that cause us to stop trusting ourselves. And when we can get back to that, then it's we can still find joy. You can still plan things in life. You don't have to be fearful as much about the... Unpre- like There are so many times I've been like, why would I start dating again? Because what if someone does the same thing Sean did? Right? That's terrifying. And at the same time, if I trust myself, it could totally happen. And in fact, I have met people who have had two spouses who have died by suicide. That is insane to me. It's very
0: scary. And sure. very
1: sad, very sad and devastating for that person. But I will say, when I can get to a point that I can trust, that I can handle any situation that comes my way, then I, it's not so fearful to embrace life and be able to engage in it.
0: I love that you just shared about your course and I have to tell you a couple, no, it was last week. Um, We have a whiteboard right by our pot of offices, and every week, one of my colleagues puts up a quote, and our quote last week, which made a teacher like stop and pause, sometimes they just walk right by it, but a teacher stopped and paused, the quote um, is just so in line with what you're talking about is, a bird sitting on a tree is never afraid of the branch breaking because her trust is not on the branch, but on its own wings. Always believe in yourself. Yeah. Exactly. Author unknown, so I can't give credit to that. But yeah, like that is speaking to exactly what you're speaking to. It's speaking to what you're speaking to. And that is like, I think you're right because of a lot of messaging coming from a lot of different places. We are kind of ingrained with this notion that we should not trust ourselves. And there's like this battle Now, especially as I've gotten older, it's like, trust your gut, trust your gut. I don't know why we're like beat over the head when we're younger that, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Trust me, I'm older, I'm wiser, I'm this, I'm that. And there's all these qualifications on why a person should not trust themselves. But I love that your course is specifically built around just that. Like, how do you get back to getting to know yourself, getting to know the ups, the downs, the ocean, you know, the ocean ride, and then believing in your own wings.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited. I mean, a big part of it is looking through that holistic wellness lens of we have different, I look at wellness as being six different areas. So often holistic wellness is like, oh, we're going to look at nutrition and physical, or you might hear of holistic wellness as like mental and emotional. Um, But often I don't hear more and more, we're getting more into the cellular piece with EMDR, thought field therapy, tapping. Um, that is all getting to ourselves to really, but ourselves hold on to so many things throughout our lives. And I, I know trauma is the big buzzword right now. It's like the hot topic, and rightly so. Rightly so. <laughs> sure. I the way I look at it though is it's less about what the event is; it's more the impact it has. Yes. So. Not that to say that the event doesn't matter because it does, but I think as far as the impact on us, that is what leaves kind of an imprint on ourselves.
0: And I definitely agree with that. Like in order to figure out what to do with that impact and how to move forward, you need to know what is the impact.
1: Yeah, so I look at the wellness as like physical, nutritional, mental, emotional, spiritual, and cellular. So it's like six different areas. And then being able to really peel apart what messages did we get in those areas as children that caused us to not feel safe, that caused us to not trust ourselves. Because it's all, in my opinion, it's all messages that we get just from anything like your physical we've talked about this with body image it's not just our parents it's also what the media what society says and especially now with, with social media, with the internet, kids are, we, we all are inundated. I mean, how many times do I complain that I try and go to a website to read a blog about something and I can't even read the blog because of all the ads popping up? And as soon as you X out of one, another one pops up. And I'm like, never mind. I don't even want, where's my encyclopedia? <laughs> like, when can I go back to Funk and Wagnall so I can actually learn something? But, but yeah, we, we are inundated with all of these messages that it just, in my opinion, if I pay too much attention to all those messages, I just end up in a wound up ball because I'm like, I don't even know what direction to go in because half the time the messaging is conflicting anyways. <laughs> so it's like, how can you even figure out what your gut says when you, I call it like sludge or cobwebs when you have all of this other stuff you know, piling up where you can't even get back to what your gut would say.
0: Tell me a little bit more about your course. Like for people who are listening who might be interested, is it like something they have to attend in person? Is it virtual? How long is it? And I know we're going to put information in the show notes as to how they can contact you. But talk a little bit more about like the meat of the
1: course. What's, what can they expect from it? Yeah, so it's a digital course. There's two different ways to do it. So I am learning the app Teachable which has been very interesting. So I'm, I've i been enlisting some people to help me with that. So essentially, it's it's kind of a self-led, like there's curriculum that's just going to be posted. at six weeks. So you go through each area of health, and then there will be a closing that goes with that as well. And each week, there's just going to be um, some explanation of certain things and ideas to think about and prompts to allow people to really start to think about how they're impacted by messages in the different areas of their wellness. And then with it, the the two different ways you can go is one of them includes some one-on-one coaching, and then one of them is truly just self-led, so you get access to all the information. It includes um, book recommendations, podcast recommendations, and then, um, again, like I said, some journal prompts to go with it and access for any questions about the information. So. I adore this. And as your sister
0: and um, probably your number one fan or very close to your number one fan, if I'm not your number one fan, I just think this is amazing. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of the work that you've been been doing. I'm so proud of what is on the horizon for you. And I hope everyone goes to check out your course.
1: Yeah. Thank you. I'm super excited about this. It's going to be limited at first to how many people just for the, the one-on-one coaching piece. Like I can't have it like unlimited. Um, but then the self-led will be more open and people can still access me. So that's really exciting to do. And I like I said, I have a business coach who's kind of helping me along the way. But I'm just so, so excited to be able to do this and to see this come into fruition and everything come together because I think I said this in one of our last podcast episodes, but I feel like if y'all have ever seen Indiana Jones and the last crusade, is it the last crusade? Mm -hmm. Okay. Cause I, I'm like, I know it's that one with the Holy grail. Yes, that's right. So I am definitely at that point where I stepped away from something that was very comfortable. I was considered an expert in schools with OT I was someone that people looked up to, which was amazing to feel because I'm like, wow, pff, I don't know why you're looking up to me for this. I'm, I'm just collecting knowledge and then disseminating it. And so I stepped away from something that was very comfortable, but did I didn't feel was truly fulfilling me. Um, the OT piece was, but how I was, how I was practicing it was not. And I, I was joking with my therapist the other day that I'm still suspended in the middle trying to get to the other side. I have footing, so I'm on something. I just can't see what I am stepping on. And so to see this kind of come to fruition in a lot of these ah ahas, because what I say is it all starts with me. There's no point in me sharing this process or how I, I got through this unless I'm willing to work through it myself. And so having this stuff come together, and it's murky, and it's gross, and sometimes it's really hard to look at different messages or projections we got or you know, you're looking at how you were raised. How were your caregivers with you? And that can be really hard to do because we are so conditioned with shame and guilt. And I try and encourage throughout the course to say this is a no shame, no judgment place just because our caregivers and our people do the best that they can with the information that they have. And this is a, an opportunity to kind of look at that from an objective, more of an objective perspective to create a subjective survey, which is which is hard.
0: Do you ever, I hear people do this all the time where they are talking about something going on in their lives or someone who has done something to them and so they're explaining the situation and then they feel like they have to follow up whatever, like maybe, let's just call it a negative interaction with like a, but they're a great person or they're really funny or they're like very kind and talented in many ways. Yeah. I feel like that's such a conditioned response. Like, and I I don't know where that comes from. You know, I don't know if that's like a churchy thing with the guilt, like we feel we have to, you know, we we can't say that this thing happened and it sucked without being like, but it's gonna, you know, like without Mm. adding on this conditional, like, but you know, I'm trying not to judge that person or I don't want to feel guilty that I'm like trashing this person. You're not trashing that person. You're talking about a situation that happened. And that makes me just think about like the exploration that people are going to be doing through your course, and I have done through other courses, when you, you look at like, for example, money messaging, and I had to look at like, how was I raised? What was my relationship to money when I was a child? And what kind of messages did I receive from my parents or grandparents or people around me? That doesn't mean, like, if I had a negative relationship with money or if I do now or if I was in a lack mentality then, that doesn't mean that my parents are awful people. It just means, like, there was a certain messaging that was given. And, right, I feel like that is part of the hard work is because people feel, like, really guilty that they're going to be like, oh, well, I learned this. And that doesn't mean that the people who gave you those messages are bad people.
1: No. And I think there's a couple of things and I, I'll be honest, I am someone who's still working to not do that. So when I think there are a couple of things as far as more negative emotions or having negative feelings. And again, it could be, I think religion does promote, you know, oh, you need to be grateful for what you have. So it's, it takes apart and kind of dismisses having those more negative feelings. And so you have to meet it with some sort of gratitude. Well, if I have them, it doesn't mean I'm not gratitude, grateful, I'm not gratitude. I'm not grateful. It just means that I'm feeling the feels and right now that this is how I'm feeling right now. I think it's a good practice to Keep tabs on the gratitude, though, because often people can get stuck in the negative, And then it's like, how do you move out of that? Especially when life, when we think it's linear, blows up in our faces and we're like, wait a second. And it's really easy to get stuck there. Whereas if you're seeing life as an ocean, then you're like, ah, oh, shoot that squall came and went like that, like that hurricane. That was pretty awful. The other thing I think that's happening is we're constantly just as human beings looking to feel safe and secure. And so when someone might mention, Hey, this, like we do the shoulds and supposed tos, that's what I call them. And more recently I've been like, well, what if we switched them to coulds? Like not, I should have handled that differently because that creates more of that shame and guilt, but more a reflection of, well, I could have probably handled that differently Like it just gives a a whole different feeling and meaning to it. But often, when it comes to parenting, right, we have no idea what we're doing. And instead of coming together and saying we're just a group of people who don't know what we're doing and we're doing the best that we can, we often criticize and get to a point of, well, my way has to be right. And if someone else is doing something differently, it challenges the validity of what I'm doing and the safety and security and self esteem I have around what I'm doing. So therefore it creates more of that conflict.
0: Yes. And I would say to anyone listening to this episode to be aware, maybe just try and be a little bit more cognizant of that black and white thinking of that good, bad verbiage or that positive, negative. Because we do that with emotions and this happens all the time. And I've been trying to think like, how can I refrain that anger, sadness, frustration, annoyance, hatred, mad, like those aren't negative emotions. They're not negative. They're, They're They're all emotions that we feel and we have to feel, but for some reason, somewhere in time, someone had to put them into this box and say that those things are bad and that we shouldn't, shouldn't, right? They should at us and say that we shouldn't. Feel those feels, but we know that the gold is in the dark and we got to feel all the feels and work through all the feels. And neither is good or bad, or, you know, they might be ugly, they might be uncomfortable. It might not be awesome to have to sift through those things, but very necessary in order to do the work exactly that you're talking about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And again, like that reframing, I think is like a lot comes in that acknowledgement of like, oh, that must feel horrible. And also, you have the skills to get through this you have the ability i think we've shared that neuroscience based research which you guys by now know that i like nerd out on that stuff but me too a lot of it talks about the impact of the messaging that we get between the ages of 0 to 7 and some neuroscientists will give some leniency to 14. So by the time you're in middle school, a lot of those patterns, a lot of how you already view yourself, feel about yourself, is already kind of in habit mode. So it's, it's look, even for them, it's looking at what those, which is hard when you're 12 and you're still at home with your parents. So it's not like you can be like, I don't like the way you're parenting right now. Like, Can you imagine? Can you-
0: I was just imagining <laughs> our niece saying that to her parents. Like, I don't appreciate the way you're talking to me right now. <laughs> right? I don't agree with your parenting style.
1: I'm feeling that you are negatively impacting me with a message at this moment that I'm going to internalize and then is going to contribute to how I view myself. You
0: are why I'm going to be in therapy.
1: All of our children are going to be in therapy. Which is a good thing and
0: we should do it as a preventative measure anyway. Let's be proactive about yeah. our health. Yeah. We take tests. We get our boobs squished and mashed into things. We get eye exams. There's a reason like insurance allows us to go see an eye doctor every year to check our eyes and, you know, have an annual exam that I don't go to on a regular basis. I already said it. Okay. But I am an advocate for doing the proactive stuff and preventative measures.
1: Absolutely. It's just normalizing that. So I think another thing that helps us feel safe is creating that space between us and others. So especially with how Sean died, there have been people in my life who've tried to create that space where they fill in the blank of why why it would have happened to me and Sean, but why it wouldn't have happened to them. Oh, well, I'm not depressed. That will never happen, right? Because it's an awful thing to go through. But people are constantly looking for that safety and security. So if we can separate people who go through some pretty awful things, my marriage is solid. I'll never get divorced. Or, you know, whatever you have to do to fill in the blank is what people do. But then, like, that's – it has a ripple effect. It impacts sense of belonging. It impacts connection among among people. And so – I think when we normalize some of these things, now I'm not saying condoning, normalizing is not condoning, but suicide is a type of death. When we normalize it to that and see it as it is a type of death, then I think people can have an increased understanding and just embrace what is coming their way rather than you know, living out of fear of, I don't want to hurt. Like no one wants to hurt. It's awful, but it's just having the tools to be able to work through the hurt.
0: Yes. And I would hope also that people open their hearts, put their pride on a shelf because anything could happen to anyone. I just watched the Selling Sunset episode where Justin (laughs) Hartley breaks up with Chrishell in a text. And I heard on the radio recently that Adam Levine has had affairs with multiple people, right? And he's married to a Victoria's Secret model. No. Yes. 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 He is married to a Victoria's Secret model. Yeah. And so the commentary on the radio was like, she's already a 10 Why are you trying to get to by cheating, right? So the commentary was that even, right, just the bad, it's it's just life. Awful things happen. I don't, right? I just said bad when I said we should try and reframe. But the life is an ocean.
1: (laughs) <laughs> Woohoo! It's already
0: starting to work. <laughs> Life is an ocean and you cannot predict. Water is unpredictable. It is a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. And God bless you if you're going to try and predict what your adventure is going to be like on that ocean. And I would say, in order to embrace compassion and not be judgmental, one of the best things you could do is never say to someone, that would never happen in my situation. That would never happen to me because God bless you. I pray that it doesn't and that people really like take a good look at themselves and and get away from that black and white thinking and let's try and live a little bit more in the gray. Like we are here for you should that ever happen to you. God bless you. Not that I ever want it to.
1: Absolutely. And well said. Well said. And I think it's weird. We talked about in one of our past episodes about – When I was doing massage therapy and then all of a sudden could see (laughs) people walking funny and being like, oh, you need help in your hip or, oh, something's going on in your shoulder. And I feel like we're all just our little kid selves who are just wanting to feel safe, secure and loved. And I think when people act out like that, it's yeah, I think that's just an element of it. But you're right. I mean, stuff can happen to anybody at any point in time. And it's not something you can necessarily control. You can't control the outcome of what is coming your way. And surrender is a major, major piece of being able to trust yourself is surrendering that outcome and, and how and when things are going to happen. And just, yeah, which is scary. It's scary. It's doable. And once you get to the other side, it's amazing and freeing. But it's it's freaking scary.
0: It's amazing to me how many people are religious and then might preach, like, let go, let God, but then don't. Like, they don't really, they keep, you throw that around, but they're just words. And, no. and there are a lot of instances, and I, we don't have to. I was for gonna that.
1: say religion and hypocrisy is a whole nother Oprah.
0: <laughs> Okay, it sounds like we're setting ourselves up for some episodes in the future. But you guys, okay, so with, with as hard of a topic this is and with all the seriousness that happened today, let me just say that I did engage in some self-care, being that I'm doing some hard work. We're all doing some hard work. Oh, so first of all, let me toast you, and I'll get back to why I'm actually sipping on some wine tonight. However, we're toasting all the hard workers, whatever that work looks like for you and in whatever industry you're in. Cheers to you. So I have been engaging in self-care. Today actually happened to be picture day at school. And so I got up 10 minutes earlier.
1: Was it picture day? Picture day. One of my favorites. This is how Hallmark (laughs) continues to stay in business with all the old (laughs) school picture
0: cards. Right. And then we buy them to give each other for birthday cards. Yes, this is exactly what happens. So I got up a few minutes earlier today so that when I put the product in my hair to curl it, I actually like then use the. Blow dryer. So I made sure it was just yeah. a little, I had some tighter curls this morning, <laughs> which is important to me because the other days I've just been looking so haggard. So I was like, I need to put some effort into my hygiene and my appearance on picture day. So that was some self care. I also went to trivia this week with some friends, which you was did. awesome and we talked about um with our book club friends like how we, if my point is to try and get out there and meet people then i need to go out and meet people i need to put <laughs> i need to create the experience that i'm actually getting out of my house and away from murder she wrote which <laughs> yes. i finished by the way all 12 seasons so i got to break out of that and so i went out in public y'all and i went into trivia with some friends and it was amazing and on the way back i put on youtube music instead of listening to the radio cuz i was kind of bored and so i put on this youtube channel and and I was blasting Cranberries, Oh
1: my gosh, which that is, is like
0: a, ba- yes, mm-hmm, a favorite band from days of yore. Went yes. to one of their shows when we lived in Connecticut and I was still a young pup. And so they just remained a favorite band, especially the song Dreams. And so that when that came on, I was blasting it and singing like no one's business. And then one of the next songs to come on, I realized could be a very good karaoke potential for me. Not that, y'all, I have ever done karaoke. That's not true. I did it once with my very good friend Gretchen, and she and I sang back up shoop, shoop, shoop-a-doop. <laughs> but that was all. I have never been like the headliner in a karaoke song, but I realized I could sing for non
1: non-blondes what's up. I just heard today TLC Unpretty. Remember that one? Yes. But I was thinking you could do, um, I don't even know, is it Waterfalls is the other one? Yes, don't Don't, go chasing. Yeah, don't go chasing those waterfalls. I can see you doing karaoke. I am so proud of you being willing to do
0: karaoke. No, no, it's just in my car (laughs) when I'm singing at the top of my lungs. What's going on?
1: You guys all heard it with me. We're going to mark it on this episode on this date. Anna said she's going to do some karaoke. Yeah, I
0: didn't say when or in front of whom. Or in what what situation? But I've been like trying to muster up as I'm trying to explore new things and Absolutely. be courageous and daring to, to step out and be vulnerable. Yeah. I'm like I'm I might just do it to four non-blondes. What's up? I love it. Oh, and that.
1: Wait. Can we get a video of that?
0: We will when the time comes because I imagine that you will be there. I would want oh, you to be
1: there. No, thank you. But thank you no, for the No, you'll invitation. be there to video. Mm. You
0: don't necessarily have to sing, yeah. but you could to TLC. <laughs> but I was in the store today buying other things and I happened to find myself in the wine section. <laughs> and being that I was have been listening to music at like top volume and singing to music at top volume in my car, there was this brand of wine. It's by press play wines I don't know it's a California wine and the title of the wine it's a red blend is called the headliner and then I read the back and I was like oh this is a fun one since I'm like so into music right now is like a calming thing and a soothing thing for me I'm not ecstatic about the wine I don't think it's like like the taste is is going to be for me I probably won't buy it again but I am toasting y'all with it tonight cheers to you
1: that is awesome. Cheers to you. Look at this amazing work that you're doing, the outreach, and and you didn't just take care of others. You are also taking care of yourself, which is huge. I'm trying. <laughs> just baby steps. Baby steps. I did want to say before you were talking about how you've been a little haggard, I think was the word that you used. I like that word. It reminds me of haggard. <laughs> it does. And we, on and I will definitely come back to the fact that we are both binge watching Selling Sunset right now. Uh-huh. But it's interesting that you said that because the other day I was head on the background while I was doing some chores and I was like, you know, I just, these ladies are always on. And I wondered, I was like, do they ever just want to wear sweats? And like, do they have to do hair and makeup just to wear sweats? Like, I find it very hard to believe that that there are women out there who are just always on on like don't hide at night or some point and like put on sweats and then I thought to myself I was like I am the complete opposite of them where I thought to myself maybe I should actually put some effort into how I yes. was today <laughs> maybe I should, instead of going for the yoga pants or my sweats, maybe I should put on some jeans and a shirt that actually fits.
0: Thus my effort for picture day today. Okay.
1: I love it. I love it. Literally. I was like,
0: ah, yes. And I imagine like Christine probably never puts sweats on. She probably is always on. And I felt bad for Chriselle during that episode because her makeup was all done up but she was a crying mess like her husband just said that she he wants to get a divorce and she yeah. like because she's a part of the show didn't have the space to be or feel the feels like she still had to be kind of on I haven't gotten much farther so don't no spoilers I, know I don't that's know what happens
1: Yeah I, I knew that that was something that happened because we're a little behind on our seasons I'm I'm coming approaching that episode But yeah it, and sometimes that was one of the things I was reflecting on too is like being able to have that emotional space or when you have a job when you're on all the time how do you access the like times to just be and not have to be on all the time
0: I love that you said that because that is pretty much what Gretchen and I are going to be trying to speak about at the conference next month oh fantastic! like we when you're on and go 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 and we're not waffle brains most of us like how do we become a waffle brain and shut it off all right y'all. We are at that point where we have gotten to the STW joke of the day. Shanti, this is for you. Well, they're all for you. I just want to
1: say his name is Sean, not Shanti. Because every time you say Sean, I'm like someone is like, "She married Shanti?"
0: <laughs> no. His middle name started with a T, so yes. I say Sean T. You do. Just <laughs> like a breath in there. Shanti. <laughs> Sean. Sean. Sean, this is for (laughs) you. The question is, why was the bed wearing a disguise? (laughs) I don't know. It was under
1: covers. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I hate myself every time I laugh at those. No, you don't. You love yourself. I don't. I do. Because it's funny. My brother-in-law posts some of the dumbest jokes in social media, and he put one, and I chuckled, and then had to text him and be like, I'm really mad that I chuckled at your joke. It was, but we love you here. too,
0: Bob. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Bob, we love you. Yeah. I just want to thank all of you for tuning in today. It is a hard subject for suicide prevention awareness. We just appreciate you tuning in. Share this if you can, um, because this is definitely an episode where we can relate to people that you really aren't alone. I usually laugh when Anna says that, but it's true. You're not alone. There are people there. You can work on yourself. It's work, but you can do it and you can get to the other side and you don't have to live in those deep moments.
0: Check in on your loved ones, hug your people, tell them you love them, let them know it's okay to not be okay and that we, the Russian sisters, are here for you. We love you. We hope you guys have a great week and we'll talk to you soon.
1: Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Russian sisters. To connect with them, go to therussiansisters.com. Produced and distributed by the SoundOff Media Company.
0: And ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, The Fountain App, and at NaturalManPodcast.com.
1: It is your favorite girl. That's right, it's the Ali Mars, the one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating